let's love God right now. Come on, let's love Him. Amen. All over the house, let's love God. I love you, Jesus. I will bless your name. I'll bless your name. I'll praise your name. I'll exalt you. God, I'm going to glorify you. Even on a Wednesday night, the middle of the week, uh, amen, I may be tired in my body. I may be wore out, uh, God, but I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to lift you up. Uh, I'm still going to exalt your name. Uh, I love you. 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 Oh, how I love you, Jesus. How I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And praise God. You can be seated for just a moment. I, I want to say that I'm delighted to be back here. I believe God wants to do something in these services that we're allowed. God has allowed us to be here. I said God has allowed us. Amen. And I believe that his power is uh, unmistakable. I believe it's going to shake the very foundations of hell. I believe that. Amen. Uh, and uh, I prayed and studied all day, and I thought I was going to preach something else. And uh, since I've been here, God has changed my direction. So, amen. If you would, if you would turn me to Luke chapter 5, and uh, Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through verse I believe 11. Amen. Praise God. I want to say it's good to see everybody here tonight. Amen. I want you to get, uh, amen, get somebody out here. Amen. Uh, amen. Get some sinners out here so I can preach to them. Amen. Praise God. And I believe God's going to, amen, meet us here. Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gethsemane and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want you to notice in verse number four, 
Jesus tells Simon Peter to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And then in verse number five, Peter answers Jesus by saying, Master, we have toiled all the night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The command from Jesus to Peter was to launch out into the deep and let down his nets for a draught. And that word draught is used here means a huge haul, a huge haul. However, the replay, the reply from Peter to Jesus was, Master, we have fished all throughout the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I want to just use one word out of Peter's reply to Jesus for the text. Notice that after telling Jesus that they had toiled all night or they'd fished all throughout the night and had taken nothing, Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I want to preach from the subject, nevertheless, nevertheless. Brother Hilton, would you pray? I love you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you, God, for your presence. My God, my God, my God, have your way, Jesus. I will bless your name. God, I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to give you the praise of the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Let's love him. Let's love him. Amen. I don't feel like we're quite through yet. Let's praise God for just a little longer. Amen. Amen. God, we love you. We praise your name. God, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. I magnify you. I glorify you, God. You are my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my keeper. I praise your name. I praise your name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In the scripture setting from where we ultimately have taken our text today, uh, Jesus had just finished teaching the multitude while he was setting in Peter's boat, and after the people had gone, he had a private uh, uh, one-on-one amen, message for Simon Peter. He tells him in verse number four, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Amen. Uh, Jesus' sermons uh, uh, to the multitudes were all full of his most unique teachings, uh, but his little private talks to his disciples were even more explanatory, helpful, and personally valuable. Amen. They were important truths which he proclaimed to the masses. But the choicest things, the most treasured things, he reserved for those men whom he had chosen to be his disciples. When we read through the Gospels, we find that many of the parables which he addressed, amen, to the crowd, he later explained to only his disciples, and many a thing that he never said to the crowd at all, amen, because he knew they could not understand it. He took the time to explain in details to his disciples in a private setting. So it was with Simon Peter at this time we read of in our text. First, there was the sermon to the crowd, and after the sermon, that private word to Peter about launching out into the deep, 
And let me sidetrack here for just a moment to tell someone that's here tonight uh, that those who love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength uh, should always look for that private time along with God after the public display of God's glory. Can I hear an amen? Amen. It's essential and vital to be in the house of the Lord every time the church has a service uh, because we come here to worship Him uh, collectively as a local assembly, but we live for Him individually outside these walls. Uh, Can I hear another amen? Uh, If you're ever going to live for God, you're going to have to receive all He desires for you uh, and wants you to have. uh, And then you are going to have to learn how to listen for those precious words from our Master. Uh, Amen. He is always willing to utter in those private times uh, alone with Him. Uh, And don't be satisfied until you hear Him speak to you. And then if the message that God gives you is a precept or a command, uh, like the one he gave to Peter directing him to let down his nets, uh, be careful that you obey it and do it exactly as God instructs you. You might feel exactly like Peter did that day when he tiredly uttered those words, Master, we have fished all through the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Don't be negligent of the special voice of God in your own heart and your own conscience because it's the will of God to bestow a great blessing upon you in this way, even as he did upon Simon Peter, whose boat was filled with fish almost to the sinking. It's only when we learn how to give heed to that distinctive private word of our Lord and Savior to our own heart and soul, many a boat full of fish, amen. Men, uh, shall we or we can receive, uh, or rather many a life uh, uh, full of untold blessings uh, will otherwise we might not have never received. Mm-hmm. If you would have been on the shore that day, you might have heard Peter yelling out to his partners on the shore, Get your boat and get out here and give me a hand. I need some help. I've got a net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing, and it's way too much for me to handle on my own. And some of you are sitting there right now thinking, well, that was Peter and that was then, but it's not me, and this is the here and the now. Far too often we live with a spirit of doubt and unbelief uh, that God no longer does what he did back then. Uh, Oh, God, I I feel it right now. I said we live with an attitude and a spirit uh, uh, of unbelief that God no longer does what he did back then. We live with an attitude that says, well, that was then and this is now. And we have a hard time believing for a just enough blessing, just enough to pay the rent, or just enough to make the house payment, just enough to put gas in the car, just enough to buy a few groceries, or just enough to keep the utilities on. We live with a just enough mentality. And all the while we forget, amen, what Jesus commands us in the gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 38, where he he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Amen. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Somebody praise him right now. Amen. 
And when God brought Israel out of Egypt, uh, he took them through the wilderness of just enough. Uh, it was only supposed to be a passage uh, way to the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Uh, but because they failed to listen uh, and to obey the voice of God, uh, they wandered in the wilderness of just enough for 40 years. Uh, just enough is better definitely than never enough. Uh, but it's not the promised land. And God wants to take someone in this place uh, from where you are of just enough to the abundant life of more than enough. I said God wants to take somebody in this place when where you're at from just enough to the abundant life of more than enough. But before he can, you're going to have to learn to listen and obey the voice of God. I'm preaching tonight to someone that's been praying. You've been fasting. You've done your best to stand on the word and have faith to believe. But if you'll be honest with yourself, you'll have to admit you're in the same place that Peter was that day. You've been disappointed. Amen. Because it seems that you've toiled all through the night season of one disappointment after another. I'm preaching to somebody, amen, that's been in a season of disappointment, amen, because you're not obeying the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I feel it. Amen. Your faith has been disappointed over and over again. You've thrown your net out over and over again. It seems like, amen, it's all been for nothing. It feels like all that prayer and that fasting, all that believing and standing on the Word has been for nothing. But I've come to this pulpit with a message for you. I said, I've come to this pulpit with a message for you. Your disappointing season uh, shall come to an end uh, because Psalm 30 verse 5 informs us, uh, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Uh, You know, when you order something, uh, they give you a delivery date. Uh, For that delivery date is uh, your appointment to receive uh, what you have ordered. And I feel like telling someone uh, in this place that heaven has already scheduled uh, a delivery date for the very thing that you have been seeking God for. Uh, God has heard every prayer you prayed. He's seen every tear you've shed. And the very thing that you've been praying for has a divine appointment date already scheduled for you. Somebody praise God right now. I said God has a divine delivery date for you. I said God has a divine appointment. Amen. For somebody in this house. The problem is that you're just like Elijah's servant in 1 Kings chapter 18 when he came back and said, there's nothing. Even while I'm preaching this message, you're sitting there and you're thinking, there's no sign of an answer. There's no evidence of rain anywhere. I feel like telling you what Elijah told his servant. Go again seven times. I feel like telling you to go again because persistent faith never loses. I said persistent faith never loses. It wasn't until the seventh time that the servant comes back and says, well, this time I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, go tell Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. In other words, he was saying, you better hurry up and get ready to head back to Jezreel because there's abundance of rain on the way. And what I'm trying to tell someone in this place is that your season of nothingness, your season of drought shall be taken over by an abundance of rain. But it can only happen and will only happen when you listen to and obey the word of God. Amen. Brought to you by the man of God. Oh, somebody praise him right now. 
in our text, immediately after Jesus tells Peter to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, uh, Peter begins to complain. Master, we've told all through the night. We've taken nothing. In other words, what Peter was saying was, uh, it's all been for nothing. We worked so hard for nothing. We worked so hard, and all we have to show for it are empty nets. Oh, God. And that same complaining spirit speaks today and said, we prayed uh, and prayed, and yet there's been nothing. Uh, uh, we praised you, God. We've worshipped you, uh, yet there's still been nothing. Uh, we've been faithful to the house of God, and it's all been for nothing. Uh, it seems like everything we have done has all been for nothing. Uh, and uh, for anyone in this place that's ever felt that way, I'm going to give you a revelation. Uh, your nothing uh, is just preparation for God to do more than enough. I'm going to say it again. Your nothing is just preparation for God to do more than enough. God will usually take you through a season of nothing just before the breakthrough into more than enough. And the reason is, amen, because God wants all the glory. He wants you along with everybody else to know it was not your ability or the strength of your flesh. You're not the Savior. You're not the healer. You're not the deliverer. You're not the miracle worker. He wants you to know experientially that it's the anointing that produces the miracle. This is why in how Zechariah chapter 4 verse 68, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, somebody love him right now. Oh, not only does God want all the glory, he wants you to learn his voice. Because the first key to shifting from nothing to abundance is hearing his voice. I said the first key to shifting from nothing to abundance is hearing his voice. And the second key then is obeying him. Obedience to his instruction, even if it seems ridiculous. God will let us wear ourselves out doing what we think is right. You see, when we've got the strength... We've still got options. We think we can work it out ourselves. We don't hear his voice. It's not that he's not speaking. It's just that we're so busy making too much noise to hear him. So he waits for us to wait for him. He waits for us to be led by the Spirit. No wonder Romans chapter 8 verse 14 states, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit means God is out front. He waits for us to fall back in line and, starts wa and start waiting on Him. And then He often speaks what we think is a ridiculous instruction. But if you want to shift from nothing into a ridiculous blessing, you're going to have to be willing to obey a ridiculous instruction. It was a ridiculous instruction that, amen, the prophet Elisha to tell that desperate widow in 2 Kings chapter 4 to go and borrow empty vessels, not a few, and then take her little pot of oil and start pouring into all those empty vessels. That was ridiculous. But she obeyed the ridiculous instruction and the anointing of a ridiculous blessing came on her and she went into the supernatural overflow. And then key number three to a ridiculous blessing is you have to get a vision of abundance. 
And that's what I come to preach to this church tonight. You have to get a vision of abundance. Uh, most of us don't have any problem seeing ourselves with just enough. Uh, barely making it, just keeping our head above water. But what we have got to learn is how to see ourselves in abundance. Uh, look at somebody beside you, in front of you, or behind you, and ask them, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? You may have empty boats, empty nets, empty cupboards, uh, empty pockets, uh, uh, but you're going to have to look through the eyes of faith and see something that's just not there. God told Abraham, uh, amen, to lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Look forward to the east, the west, the north, and the south. Uh, everything you can see, I'm going to give you. Uh, God was saying, if you can see it, uh, you can have it. Uh, when the prophet Elisha told the widow woman uh, to go get all all those empty vessels. He was activating her spiritual sight. He wanted her to see by faith every one of those vessels filled. And when she obeyed the ridiculous instruction and began to pour that little bit of oil that she had into those vessels, she probably didn't realize it at the time. But she made that little pot of oil. Amen. She made that little pot of oil the very seed for her miracle. It didn't make any sense. It was nothing compared to the size of her need. It could not get her out of debt but when she started pouring it out she was sowing the seed or her miracle and so doing she released what she had in order to get what she needed her obedience to a seemingly ridiculous instruction took her into overflow and put her into the oil business oh somebody praise him right now my my and in our text although he probably didn't realize it at the time Amen. The seed to Peter's miracle was the very boat he was standing in. And when Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep for a draught, he was doing much, much more than performing a miracle. He was doing the same thing that Elisha did for that widow woman. Jesus was activating spirit, Peter's spiritual sight and giving him a vision of abundance. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, well, Peter, I want you to try one more time and see if you might catch something. He said emphatically, let down your nets for a draught of fish. He was telling Peter to get ready for a net breaking, amen, blessing of abundance. Jesus was saying there's a multitude of fish out there just waiting for you to let down your nets. They have a divine appointment to jump into your nets. But if you don't get out there and let down your nets, amen, you're going to miss your divine appointment with your blessing. Oh, I said you're going to miss your divine appointment with your blessing. Oh, I was at the wedding of Cana of Galilee when they ran out of wine that Mary told the servants whatsoever he saith unto you do it whatever he says just do it it may not make any sense, but just do it. It may not. It may even seem entirely foolish. Just do it. It may seem utterly ridiculous, but just do it. It may be hard on your flesh, but just do it. You may not like it, but just do it. Everybody may think you're crazy, but just do it. Amen. You just fill them pitchers with water. Amen. Just like he said, God will turn them into wine. 
I'm trying to preach to somebody tonight and tell you that through your obedience, your water is getting ready to be turned into wine. Water speaks of just enough, but wine speaks of spiritual overflow and abundance. Water speaks of survival and maintenance, but wine speaks of thriving and overabundance overflow. When Peter obeyed, amen, and the word, he went into a supernatural overflow of abundance. Amen. When the widow obeyed, she went into supernatural overflow and abundance. And when the servants obeyed, the water became wine. Amen. Somebody love him right now. I want you to notice that Peter almost missed the biggest catch of his career all because he started to argue with Jesus. Look at somebody and tell them, don't argue with God. Don't argue with God. One word shifted Peter from nothing into net-breaking abundance. That one word that, amen, changed everything was nevertheless. Amen. Peter's argument, amen, went something like this. Lord, it just doesn't make any sense. You don't go fishing during the day if you want to catch the most fish. Lord, I'm tired and I fished all night. I just don't feel like it, Lord. I just don't want to be disappointed again. It's just not worth the effort. But then Peter spoke one word that changed everything when he said nevertheless I'm preaching to somebody today to tell you better learn to add the word nevertheless into your vocabulary that one little word seems so insignificant but it's full of power nevertheless means I don't care what it looks like I don't care what it feels like I don't care what people say about me I don't care if I tried it before and it didn't work I don't care if it's going to cost me some pride I don't care if it doesn't make any sense. I I don't care if it makes me look foolish. Nevertheless, I will obey. Nevertheless, I will go. Nevertheless, I will do. Nevertheless, I will pray. Nevertheless, I will forgive. Nevertheless, I'll sow that seed. Nevertheless, I'll take that step. Nevertheless, I'll fill the water pots with water, even though everybody's expecting wine. Nevertheless, I'll go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan. Nevertheless, I'll march around the walls, amen, for seven days. Nevertheless, I'll borrow empty vessels, not a few. Nevertheless, I'll make the prophet a cake, even though it's going to be the last meal for me and my child. Nevertheless, 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 that word is your bridge from your season of nothing into a season of net breaking abundance. Ooh, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Musicians, if you'd come. The word, nevertheless, shifts you out of the natural realm into the spiritual. I may see empty nets, but nevertheless. I may feel pain in my body, but nevertheless. My spouse and my children may be acting crazier than ever. But nevertheless, my world might be turned upside down right now. But nevertheless, the devil may be attacking me on every side. But nevertheless, there may be no relief inside. But nevertheless, 
I prayed and I prayed with no answer in sight but nevertheless nevertheless I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth nevertheless I know that all things work together for good amen to them who love God and who are the called according to his purpose nevertheless I know God is for me so it just doesn't matter who's against me nevertheless 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 what that word amen when that word is spoken in faith that notifies heaven that you're ready to do whatever God instructs you to do. Secondly, it cripples the very power from hell. All because when you declare that word in faith, you have just notified hell. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to live for God. I don't care how old or how young you are. It doesn't how much money you have or you don't have. It doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are. It doesn't matter what the devil does and it doesn't matter what hell throws at you it doesn't matter if it's sickness or disease it doesn't matter if it's financial problems it doesn't matter how the devil's attacking your family it doesn't matter if it's a lion's den or a fiery furnace because it's already settled I'm committed nothing's going to change my mind I've got a nevertheless on the inside of me nevertheless nevertheless that word is visionary because that word declares it's done before I even start. In other words, when you declare the word nevertheless from your heart you're releasing faith into action and your faith is testifying. Your faith is working. Your faith is crippling all of hell. We all remember Jesus' words on the cross when he said, it is finished. But prophetically, it was finished in the garden when Jesus prayed, Father, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That one word from Jesus' lips, hell was defeated. And your victory and my victory was won. Somebody needs to stand to your feet. You need to open your mouth. And you need to shout, nevertheless. Oh, God, put heaven on notice. You're ready for your breakthrough. Let the devil know it doesn't matter if it's already decided. Come hell or high water, sickness or health, come joy or pain, come drought or rain, come lion's den or fiery furnace. It's nothing but nevertheless. Nevertheless means I refuse to be dominated by what my eyes can see. I'm going to cast my nets into nothing because I'm believing God for an abundance. This is my nevertheless praise. Now I want you to start doing some nevertheless praise. And praise him like everything you believe God for has just happened. I want you to praise him like you believe God this church is full. Like it has just been manifested even though there's no evidence of it yet. Oh, I want you to praise him like this church house is full. 
Oh, like it's just been manifested. Even though you see no evidence of it yet. Oh, that's what nevertheless means. It means I don't see it in the natural. But I'm going to praise God like it's already done. Oh, somebody needs to put hell on notice right now. You're not quitting. You're not giving up. You're not giving in. You're not turning around. You're not raising the flag of surrender. It's just nevertheless. It's just nevertheless. Oh, praise him. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here. The next time this church house door... I'm going to be right here, devil. It's nevertheless. Amen. Let's worship God right now. Let's worship him right now. Oh, God, nevertheless, I'm going to love you. Nevertheless, I'm going to serve you. Nevertheless, I'm going to be here every time these church house doors are open. Nevertheless, I'm going to bless your name. Oh, I love you. I love you. Come on, if you want to pray, these altars are open. Amen. We need to pray. I said we need to pray right now. Oh, nevertheless, God, give me an attitude. Give me a spirit of nevertheless. Give me a... Oh, Come on, church, that's it. Let's worship him like he's already doing the work right now. Come on, let's worship God with all of our heart tonight. Come on, let's lift up our voices and let's begin to reach out to him. Nevertheless, Jesus, nevertheless, Jesus.
Sing that to him tonight. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord. Completely, yes. My soul. Says yes, one more time, sing yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul, yes, Lord, completely, yes. My my soul says yes. Can 
you lift your hands and begin to tell him, yes, Lord, can you let him know, Lord, I love you so much. Oh, God, whatever you ask of me today, that's what I'll do. Oh, I magnify you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My, my, my God. I love you, Jesus. heart, yes, Lord, to the depths of my soul, God, yes, I give you my everything, God, hallelujah, hallelujah, I just say thank you, Brother Mays, for preaching to us, I was thinking as he was, as he was preaching that he mentioned the, the, the widow and the oil, and I thought about it. Something got a hold of that widow. Before she even started pouring the oil, something got a hold of her. Because she looked at her sons and says, is there not another pot? And they said, no, ma'am, we haven't found any more. And it was at that moment. By the way she formed the question, she was expecting more pots to be coming. The man of God said, if I'll go get all the pots I can find, don't get just a few of them. In her mind, the man of God said, do it. And when her sons came, when I read the scripture, just let me dwell on my folly if it's folly. But I read it and I'm like hearing the voice of my disappointed mother. Because I fell short. I didn't get enough pots for her. She was expecting more. But they said, no, ma'am, we can't find any more. There's no more pots. And somehow they satisfied her, and she said, okay. They shut the door and started filling the pots with the oil. And the oil didn't run out until... She got to the last one, and the Bible says that the oil stayed. Hmm. 
thought about when he said something about the marriage supper at, at Cana. The first, we most, we, most of us know it as the first miracle that Jesus performed. But you realize all of that miracle would not have taken place had there not been some willing people to say, yes, doesn't make any sense. He said, go down to the well and get water out of the well and fill the pots. And two things in that story stand out to me every time I think about it. First one is, those servants weren't playing games. They went and got all the water they could get, and the Bible says they filled the, 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 the whatever they're called, the, those big old vasts. They, they filled them to the brim, meaning they couldn't get another drop of water in there. And the second thing that stands out to me is they knew there was water in those, those vats. And Jesus said, take a cup and dip it out of there and go give it to the Lord of the party or whatever you call the man. And when he took a drink, I can just imagine Brother Tuffy, the look on their eyes, when that man says, oh my goodness. He's saving the best for last. Let me tell you, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be the best stuff. And he, he has allowed us to partake. But there's a lot more people out there that we need to say, nevertheless, Lord. Nevertheless, Lord. I know it's not comfortable for me right now, but God, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to say, hey, can I tell you my story? That's all they need to hear. You don't have to preach them a, a two-week, uh, one-hour Bible study. They just need to know what God did for you. And when you tell them what God did for you and they realize, hey, this is real, it builds their faith. And they realize, hey, God can do it for them. He can do it for me. And here they come. <laughs> Praise God. Well, amen. Thank you, Brother Mays, for preaching to us tonight. Amen. Let's take what we heard tonight. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, I, as soon as this service is over, I was going to go ahead and receive an offering. Um, who wants to help me out here? I didn't think about this. Morgan, you want to help me out? Amen. I've gotten in trouble a time or two because I didn't take it up on Wednesday nights. Let's pray over the offering here before we take it, and then we'll go. Amen. That's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. God will bless it anyway. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. God is faithful. And uh, amen. I was I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, you know, it never ceases to amaze me that even though I'm not faithful, he still is faithful to me. 
Amen. He's still faithful to me. Amen. And we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we know his name today. His name is Jesus. And he's here tonight. I feel his touch right now. I was going to, let me say this and then we'll, we'll dismiss. But a, about a year ago, about this time, uh, about two years actually now, thinking about it. Time is irrelevant to this, but I don't know, Tori, if you remember, the bishop preached a message about the draught. And when Jesus told the disciples, told Peter specifically, put down your net right here. He told him exactly what side of the boat to put it down on, and he told him where in, in the water to put it down. He was specific. Now, let me tell you something. God is specific in everything that he does. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing's an accident with God. But the bishop texted us, me and, and Brother Merriman, it was right after he went to uh, Mississippi. And he told me and him, he said, let me tell you something. God spoke to me this morning and told me that God is going to send us a drop that we can't contain. And he said to the church that day, I went back and listened to it. And he told the church in Olathe, he said, let me tell you something. Yeah, yeah. He said, I feel like God told me for this church. He said, just like he told Peter, put down your nets here, and you're going to take up the draught, and you're going to get something that you can't contain. But he said there were also other little ships in the, in, in the water. And he said, let me tell you something. And in that moment, God spoke to him, and God said, hey, that's Mer Brother Merriman, and that's, that's, that's Brother Brandon Hilton out there. There are those other ships. So let me tell you something, that draught that God has for, for, for us, for them, for us, for, for, for the church in Mississippi, let me tell you something, God's doing some, some awesome things. Amen. And now it's up to us to, to, to put down the nets and say, hey, let's help them out. Let, let's grab as many of these fish, these men, <laughs> that we can possibly pull in. That's what God's called us to do today. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, uh, let's come back on Sunday. Let's do our best. I know right after this I've got to make a beeline to the house because I forgot to bring the little bit of church cards that I had. I want you to bring them Sunday. So you need these cards. Amen. I don't want to be the hindrance and not being able to reach out to somebody. And so I'm going to run and grab them real quick. If you want to follow me, that's fine. But... Um, but we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right as soon as I'm done here. I'm going to go get in my vehicle and head that way and bring them back, just the ones that I have, and then I'll get some others printed off this weekend. Oh, yeah, sure. I actually have it in, in that form, so I could send it to you. I'm also going to get a flyer by tomorrow night. I'm going to have a flyer done since I don't have Bible study tomorrow night. So I'm going to get some flyers done. I'm going to take advantage of my time, and I'm going to get some flyers done up for next week especially. Also start putting together some uh, social media posts that I'm going to start sharing out with all of our folks. 
sending folks just information about what's going on. Let's get out there, but let's not forget people actually live around us too. So don't just put it on social media. Tell somebody about it. Amen. Praise God. I, I was talking to somebody that came to our tent revival, and I, I had been posting it everywhere and pasting it everywhere on online. And uh, these folks said, well, we didn't come. We saw it online, but we came because you stopped by their house down there on the corner of 359th and Jingo. She said, well, I saw it, but because somebody came and knocked on my door and told me, hey, we want you to be there, we came. And so I was grateful for that. So there is power in just your word of mouth, just telling somebody. Amen. In fact, most most people that come to church is because somebody spoke to them person to person. Amen. Praise God. Well, God bless y'all. I love you. Don't forget May 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's the weekend that Brother Goff's going to be here. I really would like to have a whole, whole all of our folks here and uh, available at that time so that we can we can hone in on on what God wants to do in our lives and uh, looking forward hopefully we got some new folks about that time as well I, I'm not saying hopefully we're gonna have some new folks around that time and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be digging into the word of God and letting God speak to our hearts amen but that's in May right now is March and we're gonna have revival right here and right now amen thank God we got a preacher Amen. That that's gonna preach, and uh, we know we're gonna hear from God. But most of all, we got to get some folks here that's hungry to be changed. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.